All right, welcome back to Mixed Messages. We have my son here today, Michael Burr. Let's get started. Thanks for having me. Nice to meet you. Stoked to have you here. So, Michael Burr, you have been someone that people have seen through my eyes, who are the current audience. Many of my audience members at the moment have grown up with me, know me as a person. They've seen pictures of you. They've never met you. Well, I guess this is another way of somewhat seeing something about me. <laughs> Don't you think? Yeah. I do too. We got to spend Christmas together this year. What was your Christmas like? I had a really good Christmas. I think for me as well as a lot of us, it was definitely different in terms of, I think a lot of people were a little bit more enlightened to what's important, like family, time. I feel like it wasn't as materialistic. At least for me, I know that I did get a couple really amazing gifts, but I didn't really get, you know, a lot in monetary value. And that's entirely a good thing, you know? And I think that's one of the things is when you get put in a place where maybe you can't afford the full monetary stuff or, you know, you can't afford what you normally can, you do get put into a place where you do have to focus on other avenues of how do you make this a great Christmas? How do you make this an amazing Christmas? And I think I did feel a little bit more emotional value from this Christmas from, you know, believe it or not, the lack of presents. You know, I had a great Christmas. Yeah, right. I know it was kind of like a St. Nick's tree, right? It was like, you know, like everybody had like their three presents, right? It wasn't like a, yeah. like you didn't <laughs> come into the house and be like, oh, there's 50,000 presents and we all got to just rip paper open and have everything we've ever wanted right it was definitely right. it was more humble yeah definitely yeah and i felt that too i felt like there was an opportunity there and i think the whole year has presented us all with like a bunch of challenges just on that note what's 2020 feel like for you you didn't get your graduation you're part of the 2020 club who didn't really get to go to your graduation ceremony that's right you had to do remote learning in your first year of college that's a thing now right there's like a whole generation where, you know, some of you just came out of high school into college during 2020 in the most bizarre way ever. What was it like for you? Well, I think one side is because it is such a big thing. When you normally go throughout high school or you go throughout school or you go throughout life, it's a very consecutive event, right? It's a very consecutive multitude of events. And this being the magnitude that it was, there's been this creation of an idea of pre-COVID and post-COVID where you don't remember senior year so much as every part of senior year. You're not really, at least under my impression or how it is for me, my perspective, I don't really see senior year in particular, I should say, as this is what happened in... Like the Letterman jacket, like everybody yeah. did homecoming prom. We all got to like live like a movie scene of high school year. Right, which I what I mean by that is you don't see it in the light of what happened, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like because of COVID, I feel like a lot of us are so past high school that you know, you almost get no impression of it. Wow. Because everything gets masked by pre-COVID and post-COVID. Wow. And that's that's what I mean to say is that it's actually not as big of a deal to not have the same graduation, to not have the same ceremony, to not have a lot of the things, you know, because a lot of people that are older will bring that up. Like, you didn't have this, you didn't have that. And I feel like a lot of us don't look at it in that way anymore. You just kind of know 
the pre-COVID stuff, the post-COVID, or at least post-beginning of COVID. You know, you can't really say. Wow, right? Like, it's so much bigger than that is what you're saying. Like, I mean, like, you know, forget the ceremony. I mean, like, you know, the world had a pandemic, yeah, you know, right? Yeah. Something like that, right? And at least for me, I guess, you know, and a lot of us, it gets to a point where you get so past the magnitude is so much bigger than any kind of wearing a piece of clothing and walking up a stage, regardless of how meaningful that's been for so many people. Man, that says it. I feel that right now. I mean, I hadn't even thought about that until you just brought it up. But like, I really didn't need to wear the blue robe, you know, and have a day where everybody took their pictures. Like we are in the world that is much different pre-COVID, post-COVID is what you're saying. Wow. Thanks for bringing that to our attention on that one. And, and we kind of laughed and talked a little bit about this kind of like duality that's going on between boomers, as you guys call it, or I don't want to say you guys, but as a generation is calling it, and the new generation, which is your uh, generation. Gen Z is what I'm a part of, yes. Exactly, right? And I've got some, you know, super LinkedIn mentors of my own who are like, the world is going to really get handled by Gen Z. But, you know, there's a big kind of discrepancy here right now that many people think you guys are just like flakes and don't give a shit about life and don't have a work ethic and sit around and expect everything to be given to you. Am I correct on this? Or do you feel like this? I mean, separate from pandemic, right? Because we've all been pandemic to death, right? So I could totally go into that. But I think that was a really awesome way to start the show. (laughs) Thank you for that. Of course. Right. But now if we just kind of move the the meter a little bit and talk now about this kind of generational discrepancy about are you guys really living into your fullest potential? Are you a worthwhile generation? Are you going to mess it all up? Do you even give a shit? And then you're saying you've talked to me many times. I was glad to clarify that i'm gen x not a boomer tonight <laughs> so that you're like hey your generation just like totally fucked your lives over and picked bad jobs and you took money for it and sold your souls right you know, but, <laughs> you know like i'm like well no gen x isn't quite like that we have a different little version of it but the boomer thing is a real thing is that true michelle just told me this about this that the There's terminology. Well, I think I would first start out by the impression of boomer. For me, it's not so much about the generational name. It's not so much that they're baby boomers. It's the first time we've kind of had a response to a generation that feels that they've achieved full success and that other ages don't account to that because sometimes I look at it and it's like, okay, you know, you have this $400,000, you know, you have all these riches, you know, you're in this high place in society. And I think to myself, 401k, you know what I'm saying? 401k, it's not a meter of success. You know, there is a meter of success naturally, but most older people will have more money because they've had more time. And that doesn't undermine any sort of generation. But a lot of us, especially in retail and food industry and Gen X will agree, a lot of boomers or this older population, it's so much about the attitude. It's the older attitude. It's not their age group as much as it is that generation of attitude. What they subscribe to, right? Right. So I can speak to it, you know, as a Gen Gen X, right? Is they also had a better chance at making all that money than we did. Especially through the 20s and all the home. Yeah, I don't know what the numbers are, but I think, you know, they're like somewhere around the 60s to the 80s or whatever, right? We'll get clear on it. But I mean, not to go over, you know, 
pedantic on what is baby boomer, but I believe it's something like 50-something to 70-something, right? Yeah, 20s was a little young. 20s I, was, is, I was thinking of an event where you know we had a lot of the um, home ownership opportunities, okay. but that's a little far back. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. That yeah, was like you're way right. back. You're, you're right. right. Just, just, just kind of you know, you know bring that back. But yeah, but at the end of the day, the oil was booming at that time. There was corporations and industrial you know complexes that were happening. You know, cars were being built. Like everybody had a chance to make a lot of money at that time, and they could just be this kind of like certain person and play the part, and they just got to make all this money and bring it home to their families, right? And I didn't get to live in that generation, and it was kind of a disorienting generation. The generation Y before me didn't get to live in that. They have millionaire parents who are like, I don't know how to make you a millionaire, son. You have to go figure this out on your own. Like, I think this is the way I did it. And then all the generations have been saying, well, the way you did it doesn't work. Doesn't work. It doesn't work now, right? It was like circumstantial at the time. And I could see why it worked for you. But kind of the disillusionment of it a little bit is that you look at people in those experiences and they seem pretty convicted about who they've become. And they seem to have these strong opinions too, right? right? About other generations, right? And we see flaws, you know, in your generation particularly, you're like, you don't look like you're as happy as you think. You're riding the golf cart around, you've got the $400,000 house in Florida, another little cool Connecticut house of $850,000, whatever, whatever, right? And they look like they're living a rich life, but you also don't really relate to them. No. Can you really sit down and have a conversation with them and feel like you guys have any alignment at all mm -mm. okay so there is a generational gap is that fair to say yes i would say that would be fair you know it's it's very hefty but it is fair it's fair right but you're also saying it's not about their age you are not really attached to oh i'm not gonna like anybody in this age group you're saying right you've bought into an ideology that we just don't buy into anymore right so I think that's beautiful because we all have our experience with, we, everybody who's listening to this show right now is going to know like what that audience looks like, what the boomer audience looks like. It's been well documented. And so now we understand that this divide is real, right? Because we're having an honest father to son conversation here about what it looks like from you and your perspective and the youth, which I'd love to bring some youth to the show right now. So thank you for that. No problem. Happy to be here. Great. And so then it becomes the, okay, how do we minimize the divide? I mean, at least consciously. So let's just assume that they have the capacity to actually change their mind. Now, I think most of us have decided they don't. Like they got to wear the same, they got their shirts they're going to put on, their office looks the way they look, so they got a plaque on a wall, they've got their golf cart, they've got their fancy car, and they're not changing their mind. They're just pissed off that like the local restaurant they like so much is not open in the pandemic, right? Like we have a low image of the boomer community, right? But now I'm curious, and I think anybody else would be curious about, what would you tell them they're so fucking wrong about? Well, I would say going back to what you talked about, where you kind of brought in this idea that, you know, everything was a lot easier for them. And, you know, majorly because things were in development, what I've noticed, especially in my time in the pharmacy, I was in Bonita Springs Pharmacy, Bonita Beach Road, and you get a lot. Doing what, actually? Just tell us a story. Like you took a job as a pharmacy tech, right? Pharmacy technician, yes. So I, with my social skills, was particularly... Because you've done retail and things like that. Right, exactly. So yeah, you honed it a little bit. And now you landed yourself in like a CVS 
you know, in Florida, which is like prime time boomer. And Bonita Springs. Yeah. Visiting yeah, playground. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, like they're all coming in for their prescriptions. Right. right? Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So I felt this throughout any job and the pharmacy just was such a high extent to it because you figure Bonita Beach Road is, it's a major road if you don't know in Bonita Springs and Bonita Springs is similar to Naples, just not quite as low where it's the higher class per se, more expensive, you know, richer area of Florida that, you know, a lot of them like to retire or live or have a place at. So my location just had a lot of traffic, you know, so you just kind of get in a lot of situations. And the biggest thing I think that anybody can really relate to is when you grow up in an era where everything is starting and you're stuck in that era, it's easy to have this impression that every associate or every person at the front of a job is responsible for that establishment or is responsible for the company. And I think that's one of the biggest disconnects is You know, you figure you grow up, you get to a teenager, you know, and you get all these responsibilities and you need money. It's not easy. What's available to you when all these boomers are still working or even just the older generation is working and you need education and you need all these things. The only way to make money is to work those entry level retail food industry straight up runt of the big corporation and what happens... Runt of, can we just say like the cool <laughs> word, runt of, right? Yeah. Like the runt. You know, if you want to visualize that, you're that mail guy that's in that mail room that has to take all the letters and put them into the individual shoots. And I'm sure boomers can visualize that a little bit more, you know, than a lot of these other new jobs. So you're not getting paid enough to be there. You're not even remotely in a management position. You're not remotely in a high place in the industry. But a lot of that generation that grew up where the people that they talked to were the owners, were the managers, were the people creating that business, make it that everything is the associate's problem. Every little thing they don't want to deal with, every little thing, the dirtiness, is the associate's problem because they're the front of the company You know, they're responsible for the company. And I think that that would be what I would say to kind of sit back, take a little different look at is, you know, a lot of us are just trying to make enough money to go to school. You think boomers would like that, right? I wonder, B, that's a great comment and great narrative there. I'm just thinking to myself, but boomers like that. I mean, they like people who work from the mailroom up. And so here they are being rude to you. As if you're like, you're the mailroom guy, whatever you're at, if you're trying to get in the prescription that they need for their health to live, right? And they're being assholes, basically, is what we're saying. Right. But, but boomers actually like the idea that kids are actually working and trying. So there is a dichotomy here. They are assholes, possibly, at times, to young people who are actually doing exactly what they would like to see them do. Right. Just do the basic job work their way up well you know i think that's part of the disconnect too is that a lot of these jobs aren't a career and maybe that's part of this different societal gap this different generational gap is that we are told since the beginning that we can do whatever we want we can get educated we can figure it out we can get the big job that we want to do So working your way up in a company is not at all what any of us, well, most of us, part, some of us, 
you know, at least I would say a good enough of us. It's that first job. You know, yeah. you don't have to be so hard about it. Yeah. And this is what's lovely about, you know, like what we try to do on the Mixed Messages podcast show is, is that we essentially try to continually eliminate the gap of misconception, I'd like to say. Just think misconception, you know, misunderstanding each other can ruin, you know, relationships and a society. Absolutely. Yeah. So the misconception here, though, but I'm feeling out of this at the moment is, is that it's not much different. I mean, like you are going through the first job. I, my first job was Kenny Shoes, right? Or, or maybe that wasn't the first, but like I knew like I did paper routes. Early days, I did mowing lawns. We did lemonade stands when we were in fourth grade in, in my age. And so I found myself working at the movie theater, Kenny Shoes selling shoes with a suit on, doing paper routes in the morning while going to high school. So I have this whole story of like walking uphill in the snow both ways, you know, as working three jobs through high school, right? And that's Gen X. And so I think, you know, the generations above us obviously had a much harder life through all of the concepts of life, right? But everybody had to work their first jobs. So you're just saying you're doing the same thing. So that's the first thing I'm hearing is, is that number one, we're not so different because you are in this generation just doing your first jobs. You know, they're not career jobs. You know, they're just going to help you fucking pay some bills and do some things, right? And then you have to decide to focus on your career. I think that's worth mentioning only because they think you're all lazy and doing nothing and don't care about nothing, can't have a healthy relationship, couldn't even fall in love if you want. Like you said, all hooking up with everybody without no intimacy and just losing it the whole generation, which we've all know that people like, oh, the Elvis generation or the, each generation dogs the rest. Right. What would you say about their rudest comments that they're making about you guys. Now I'm, I'm starting to hear that there's not much different. You guys are going to go build your careers based on the timing of what is now. And you're not incapable of going out and getting some basic first starter jobs. Right. And you're going to work your way up and you're going to be smart and know that this isn't like a whole career thing. I'm going to just do this starting job Then I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. That is what every generation believes is the kind of life the human evolution of finding your way and getting to success. So in that sense, you're no different. Boomers didn't get handed everything. They did have to do some early mowing lawn jobs. Okay, so now they're like, but you're lazy and you you have no emotions and you're just video cameras and you don't care about your relationships. What I will start with, Thais, add a little bit of background. Please, we love background. <laughs> I like to think that... This last generation, and I love the early 2000s, you know, I love the music, the positivity. I like to think that there has been a growth of comfort. And what I mean by that is a growth of not having to really prove yourself, whether that be understanding gender norms or understanding the concept of different titles or how people feel. Or I think back then, and maybe part of why they can be so rude and why they have expectations of how we're supposed to be this front of this company, you know, maybe the original thing wasn't even down to the core. I think it's down to the fact that a lot of them had to prove themselves. And they couldn't come out of the closet or they couldn't be gender. They couldn't. No. If they were going to be the CEO and have a wife, you know, they had to have the wife, the children, make right. the money and they couldn't be gay. Right. Or something that's like that. true. So yeah. that's a big difference now, right? That's a big difference. Yes, yeah. Huge difference, actually. Yeah. So I hadn't even thought about that before. Thank right. you. Right. No problem. So, you know, you come down to it then and, you know, you figure a lot of us are just trying to do 
you know, what we can. And a lot of us understand that these entry-level jobs aren't as important, right? Because you're coming to this new age of understanding, acceptance, you can do anything you want to do, you know, and you're not having to prove yourself. So maybe the laziness idea or, you know, impression comes from the fact that there's a new balance of how much do I want to slave into this? And am I actively trying to appear like I'm busy? Am I actively trying to appear like I'm upper class or, you know, the shit or I'm doing what I need to do? I feel like a lot of us don't, you know, okay, you're gay. Cool. You're she, you're he, you're they, you know, okay, you know, anything, right? And Yeah, you don't know what you want to do right now in your life, fine. We'll take you cross your legs, hang out, watch the sunset and figure it out, right? Like yeah. you guys have a different tempo now as a right. generation, right? It's like a right. different um, a momentum and a tempo. It doesn't mean you're any less ambitious. Is that fair to say? That is absolutely fair to say, you know, because how much of ambition needs to be constantly shared? You know, That's why fair. do we need to show them or even tell them any of our plans or ambitions. And yeah, you know, we struggle with addictions online and all these different ways, but they struggled with drugs in a period of time. We still struggle with drugs. They struggled with drugs. And I think the other point to answer about, you know, what you kind of brought about with sleeping around, I think is what you inferred to a little bit. That was a pre-conversation before the air show. Right, which well, is I awesome. think you referred to it a or little bit, actually. Yeah, bring yeah. it on. I mean, everybody's like, "Oh wow, where's this story all, going?" All the negative Father's things. Side. Yeah, you know? let's do it. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, one of the negative, the negative things. things. Right, let's talk about it. Yeah. So I would say then, right? So you are coming into this new world where you're just a lot more comfortable. You know, you know what you want. You know it's possible. You know, you have much more self-preservation. I think a lot of us just don't feel forced into, you know. Commitment is not always marriage, you know, and it is, it is, but I would say that maybe a lot of us feel like, how do I know this is the right person? And we're a little bit more accepting of exploring it in an open, you know, physically and emotionally way without rushing into creating solidified relationships. If it's the right person, then marriage will come. But In a lot of ways, you know, maybe you can't figure out if it's right, if you're not comfortable with maybe exploring things. You know, I think a lot of us, and and this might be a raunchy, I'm not sure. Be raunchy. Yeah, go ahead. If the vibe is there, if the feeling is there, why not pursue it? You know, and it's not to say that everyone or one of us are like this. And we absolutely have, you know, the people who sleep around. And so did their generation. Every generation has its group of people that sleep around. I just think they're not realizing that we're not the people that sleep around or the people that get stuck in these relationships or get married or it's like, oh, I courted you. You're with me. This is that. It's solidified kids. I'm so glad you used the word courted, right? Because I was thinking that before too, right? Of courting and whatever, right? Right. You're right. I mean, that's what we imagine. Like we did the courting and now you're my wife or you're my husband and now we own you and then we can be miserable forever. Yeah. And that goes into, you know, us understanding more comfort zones and being more sensitive to other people is the more of feminism, the more developments in, you know, not feeling this ownership, you're obviously going to lose 
a sense of courting. You're right. Let's talk about that for a second. Let me just take a step back because I like it. And we're going to go here. But the traditional version kind of slowed down the process of courting. So now they're saying, oh, you guys take everything so easy. You take everything so lightly. You just sleep around, right? And you're like, no, we're just being, you know, really high evolved human beings trying to figure out whether we belong together and doing things. We're, we're probably less reckless is what I'm hearing you say. Right. As many generations before you which is a fantastic and hopeful thing to hear. And then on top of it, though, you're saying that all that courting and all that other mind-fucking, I don't like use the F word very often on the show, but mind-fucking that people have been doing to each other for generations. I courted you, now I've claimed you, now you're mine, and we can go down a roller coaster of bad habits and terrible lifestyle together, right? You guys are very selective about that. Now you might buy flowers. You still do that. You're still romantic. You're still court. You still get butterflies, right? Right. Absolutely. You still get nervous on your date, maybe. Absolutely. You do. Yeah. yeah. And you still want to do the best for any kind of partner, like any generation, right? There is still chivalry. That's what I say. I man, boom, like right. Oh, chivalry you. still exists, okay. even if courting is becoming less existent. And thanks for actually sitting me back. Um, I, didn't, I realized I didn't finish my point from before. Please do. Now. Is that now, rather than, as I said, where there was either sleeping around or courting, there's now sleeping around or experience. And it's hard to explain it, but the alternative is not so direct anymore. The alternative is still, I want to find the right person. I want to do it in the right way. I want to be patient. I want to make sure I'm committed, but I'm not forced into that commitment. Why do you think all these people think you guys don't even give a shit about any of this? I think you do, but you know, I'm curious why the world thinks that this generation is just like indifferent and doesn't even have the capacity to even talk like you're talking right now. To tell you the truth, I think part of it is media. I think that there's a lot of older people or even just, you know, like companies and brands that are kind of supporting a lot of skinship. And there has always been skinship. Skinship? What is that? Basically, you know, bathing suit pictures and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, showing a little bit more gotcha. of a person's body. So there's a lot more of that in the sense of when you have it on Instagram, when you have it on the internet. And you have this world now with some exclusives that has access to internet. Anybody or most people can now see those pictures, unlike a specific volume of magazines that would come out. So a lot of these older people might be going on social media and seeing all of these you know, young uh, people modeling and all these young it. people. Everybody wearing like slutty clothes, so to speak. Or exactly. Like acting all like rock star as if they could just be a rock star at like the age of 18 and not care, right? Or right. You're right. Like, yeah. Okay. So yeah. Not much different than Elvis shifting his lip, hips though. You don't see old people typically on these social media platforms right, in right. their underwear. You know what I mean? Right. So they're just like, oh, they're being reckless. They obviously have no values is what I'm hearing, by showing so much of their skin, they must not have values. Well, I think that it's a little bit more of an unconscious effect, actually. I don't think it's so much that they see the pictures and they think, oh, look at these young people acting this way. You know, they must be slutty. 
I think it's the effect that those are all the pictures usually now, right? And even in history, if you find an old magazine, every, for the most part, picture that you see, you know, in the bathing suit or slutty outfits is young people. So there's this subconscious attachment to slutty clothing, young people. It's not a cause and effect in the sense that they're thinking because of those photos. I just think they see it so much that it kind of just in the background etches a little bit into other opinions or other feelings. Maybe somebody had a bad experience when retail with a young person. You know, maybe something happened where a younger person just wasn't having a good day. That always happens and they flipped out on them. And a lot of people use this as an insult, right? What a slut. Frick you. <laughs> I'm trying not to curse, yeah, you know, yeah, but... Yeah, um, it's a show, yeah, but it's good. Right, I, I've cursed but, a couple times this show. <laughs> It's just how comfortable I am with you, but yeah. Yeah, but you know, so they use that insult as a, just an insult, right? As just a avenue of their negativity, but then they have all that background of social media and media possibly behind it. So then they start to believe it. I think that maybe that can be that kind of a misconception. That makes sense, right? Like a persona, like they're like, oh, you strike me as this thing I've thought about that you are. I've seen it on the media. You are identity A. Okay, so that's great. So I really didn't think we would go this long in this. I, it's my fault. Right, I was so apologies. curious. No, it's not. you shouldn't <laughs> apologize at all. This is totally my fault. I was so interested in this conversation. But I am interested a little bit more now that we've covered all that about what your intimate relationships look like or your relationship and what your motive and agendas look like now that we've had the conversation we should go ahead and roll with it and as i said like i thought i was going to be an opener and i just really enjoyed it we just get going <laughs> right so that being said you're in a relationship correct right and how long have you been in a relationship so i would say in a dating relationship it has been a little bit over a year uh, maybe a year and a half whichever you consider october Let's just say a year and a half. Year and a half. And right. you're how old? So yeah, a year and a, you know five months or whatever. Year and five months. And, um, and I am 18. 18. Okay. So for everybody else who gets to feel that, right? Mm -hmm. That's like a 16 and a half year old who right. found his girl. Is that fair to say? That is fair to say. Okay. Now, having grown up with you, it's weird. It's like, I kind of now, I mean, I could say this for the first, first time I've never shared this with you, but it's like, it cracks me up. I kind of saw like a back to the future version of you where like, as we were trying <laughs> to figure out your car and what you're going to drive, you really didn't date a lot earlier on, right? Like, I mean, no. it surprised me because you're terribly good looking, right? But like, <laughs> but you they really didn't, right? And so, right. and but then all of a sudden you're like saying, hey dad, I, like, I really want a relationship. Like I, I would like my senior year or my, end of my next high school year. You were very academic for a long time and you really buckled down, really proud of you for that. And you were proud of yourself for that. And you put in a ton of you know time to make yourself educated with what you had to work with. But then all of a sudden it was kind of like this, the back to the future concept is, is that you now have the forerunner and the hot girlfriend, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And Michael J. Fox had that and that, right? And yeah. I mean hot girlfriend, I mean like the coolest person and all that, right? Like you're fit, like a thing. And so like you were saying to me, look, I'm trying to figure out this car and I definitely want like my girl. And I'm not interested in like playing the field and doing a bunch of stuff. Like you were very focused on this. And whether you knew what you were going to get or not is a different story, right? Mm -hmm. But now you're living it, right? You're driving the forerunner. You've got the girl that you wanted. And it's a nice story, would you say? Yeah, I guess so. As, as nice as a story is. <laughs> as nice as a story is, right? That's all I'm saying. 
And so why don't you share with us, how did you guys meet? How did you decide to even enter into this? Um, so an interesting thing about that kind of time is that I actually knew my girlfriend since, I believe, sophomore year. We, you know, met each other at a uh, football game. She was actually in a relationship with my friend at the time. And um, what happened is we had English class together. And we just were really, really good friends in the sense that you can be, you know, when it's a girlfriend of a friend, where we just always laughed together. Our humor kind of connected a lot. You know, we would kind of say the same jokes. We were just laughing. We were getting in trouble all the time. And I originally never really had a physical attraction. And that was a big part probably to her being in a relationship already. And also a major part due to the fact that I didn't really know her the way I do now back then. But there was that chemistry, you know, there was that friendship. And I think that's the biggest thing that a little bit of reference to the disconnect of boomers and young people or the interpretation is that that's what we're trying to have. We're just trying to have friends. And that's where it develops in that next way. So we had a little bit of drama, you know, junior year, kind of stopped talking, you know, mainly because I, <laughs> so she broke up with her boyfriend yeah. junior year and she was over at my house one time because we were just hanging out and, you know, I wanted to show her my dog. We just kind of hung out at the house and there was a little bit of a Callie. different feeling. Callie, by the way, just had a dog, Callie. Yeah, it was Callie, a uh, Saluki mix, very cute dog. Yeah, there wasn't anywhere else to really go except for my room, you know, because... Sounds, sounds convenient. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, you know, because I didn't have like a really big living room or any kind of living space. And we were just laying... At your mom's house. At my mom's house, that's right. And we were just laying on my bed, you know, and there was just that kind of feeling. And, you know, we weren't really sure about it. We didn't do anything. We didn't rush in anything. There was no making love right on the spot. There was you know, none of that, you know? Young people don't rush into it either, you know? But that was when that first kind of spark happened. And later on, and we were in Halloween, we were with our friends. And the thing is, Natalie was a part of my friend group, you know, because she was friends with my friend. And, you know, it's just one of those kind of groups all together. And especially when she was single, because that lasted for about a year, everyone in the friend group liked her because she was like the one girl, you know, she was tall, she was pretty, you know, she had a good vibe, she was funny, you know, so everybody liked her. And um, what happened is we ended up, you know, having our first kiss, which was way after the bedroom thing, but it was on Halloween. And it, it just made things really dramatic in the friend group. First kiss dramatic. Oh, in the, in the friend, friend group. group. Wow. Yeah. Tell us more. Because everybody liked her, right? And oh. we weren't on Halloween by ourselves. Yeah. Why do you get to have her? Like, she's like a well, shared. Well, we weren't on Halloween by ourselves. We were with the friend group. So we kind of went out for a minute. And I think that helped it too, is like, you know, why are you doing this when you're, you know, with us? And then exactly why do you get to have her? Blah, 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 blah. You know, at the time, you know, sometimes you don't really know where to take that because that's such, you know, a complicated thing. So my first response was, I'm not going to talk about it, <laughs> you know, which, yeah, like, you leave know, it alone. like mind your business. I mean, like not talk about the awkwardness. I was going to kind of shy away 
from pursuing anything because of all the drama of oh, the friend group. So you withdrew. You were like, I wow, withdrew. That, that created a whole bunch of drama. Right. Totally unnecessary. We're a friend group. We have loyalty to this friend group. I mean, maybe we crossed the boundaries. I don't know. Right. So I, yeah, I didn't know what to back. do. Okay, right. Well, well, and well. that, you know, kind of hurt her feelings a yeah, little bit, yeah, you know, so she kind of distanced herself because I had distanced myself, you know, and we hadn't been fully together yet you know is that first kind of beginning of even anything past friends you know any kind of physical attraction wow, so first kiss equaled like blowout drama and withdraw <laughs> in the friend group unfortunately yeah, yeah. and so yeah. in your relationship too right like i mean it, yeah it, 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 actually yeah right? <laughs> definitely it wasn't like first kiss and then every nice date after right? like now right was, okay yeah so carry on so what ended up happening is we didn't talk we kind of fell apart and I remember this one time I was having a lot of trouble with my car. I think it was the cylinders, some having to do with that. And basically it was just having trouble driving. I make this desperation drop off at this local car center, not a brand deal or anything, but it was called Tuffy's. I can't vouch for every chain, but definitely the area did me really well. I was really appreciative of that. And so I remember coming back kind of stressed out because I knew it was going to cost a lot. You know, it sucked having to bring it there, you know, sucked having to deal with that. And I'm walking back and for some reason I just get this like anxiety of I'm going to lose that friendship, right? I'm going to lose, you know, who's my girlfriend now. It was crazy because you would think that when we distance ourselves, I already felt like I lost her, but it wasn't until that specific day. So what happened is I called her, you know, I apologized, you know, and she was she was pretty upset, you know, she had a little bit of a, what are you doing, you know? And that was a big part because at the time. But you had an epiphany though. I want you to go on that backstory, but I think it's awesome that you just shared this epiphany. Right. Like while your car's in the shop or right. something, right? Yeah, so okay. Yeah, I had this like, I, you know, I got to call her for whatever reason. So I did, I was able to somehow save it. We talked a little bit. We started hanging out again. You know, it wasn't until a little after that, you know, she came over to my house again. And, you know, I also want to note that the second time was even better because the second time we were Skyping, you know, we were conversing. It was like after you get past that first hill, it was this constant conversation, you know, all good vibes. There was no friend drama. It was almost this reset. And she comes over to my house and again, you know, we're hanging out, we're having a great time. And then we happen to kiss. And what ended up being complicated about it, actually, was that after the kiss, when we had the conversation of, so what are we? I told her. You brought that up, right? Just for clarity. Right. I did. I did. I told her that at the moment, I didn't see myself with her in the future and I felt bad about it. You shared this with me a little bit earlier. Yeah, it's so funny seeing you guys now, the fact that you had felt that way. But any of us could relate to this where we're like, well, we don't know what we're getting into. We don't know what model we want. We we know you're right. awesome, but like, I'm supposed to like look like this. Or like, these are just like these kind of judgments that also we have taken on about us, right? Like, and so, yeah, that was hilarious. So of course, again, now you like double down. You, you fucked up the first I'm a, kiss. I'm a dick. Now you, know, you fucked up the. What can I say? The, uh, I'm not a nice now guy. Now you mess up, yeah, right? Exactly. Now you mess up the next freaking awesomeness, right? You're like, right. You know, okay, keep going. We're, we're, we love this. Yeah. It was because the nightmare. What is up? You're overthinking everything. Maybe I maybe. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe I think not. Yeah. 
you know, and I told her though, I said, you know, and at first she was really mad, you know, she wanted to leave, there was drama. But when I explained it to her more, I explained to her that I was in a place and partly because I wanted to really find someone senior year because I felt like it was my time. This is what I was saying about like your vision. Like you were like, I need the perfect car. I don't know what it is yet. Turned out to be a forerunner, right? Right. And I need the perfect girlfriend. Right. And I need my life to just like show up for me, right? For all the difficulties you've had to go through with your mom and I and everything, you you get to have that, right? Like yeah. your life had its own challenges and you were just like, I want it my way. And you're strong enough of a character to kind of pick it, I guess. I think a part of it was actually from my brother because senior year was his big cool year of when he really got into his own skin. You know, he really... He got his car, he got these earrings, he had his moment. Letterman jackets, everything, like out of nowhere, right? Yeah. And over the years, you know, any brother will always feel some sort of shadow when something big happens. And I just really felt, you know, after all the years, you know, the baby younger brother, I just really felt like I was ready for it to be my time you know, my time to shine. And it wasn't so much that I Almost felt like yearbook. I deserved. Almost yearbook, right? Like you get your best yearbook, right? Exactly, yeah. But, you know, it wasn't so much that I felt like I deserved it or that I was entitled to it. I just felt like I wanted to have my, That's you know, awesome. my moment. So, That's awesome. So now you're like the, the second moment where you get to kiss and it's like, oh, what are we now? Right. So then I'm explaining to her in my seriousness of my moment, you know, so my person. Oh, you're not. Yeah, you're. I don't think you're my moment is what you said, right? Well, I basically said that I want to be fully committed. I want to be lifelong, truly and deeply committed and that I wasn't saying that I didn't want to be with you. Right. I was saying that I wanted and this was what broke the barrier I feel like, which was what really brought us into a lot of the positive relationship that we're in and what also breaks the barrier between what we talked about of the different generations is that I wanted to be friends who were physically and emotionally okay with each other. Not friends with benefits, not friends that, you know, sleep with other people. We were actually fairly exclusive, but if I was to be truly truly committed we agreed that we were going to be somewhat exclusive but we also agreed that we would converse with each other and be real with each other if that other person came and that's where kind of the agreement was and where she accepted it more was that it wasn't about friends with benefits you know have the benefits but not the commitment and then you know sleep with other people we weren't just passing time right it was i don't want to break your heart if the right person comes. And there's that. Too. I don't want to get into a relationship, right? And not be so committed, you know, if somebody else comes that I feel like I want to be committed to. So that was kind of actually a couple months before I asked her out. It's very honest of you. Is that fair to say? I mean, like yeah, you, it was very honest. I, I, you know, really was real with her. And that's, you know, such a huge thing in any relationship, right? Right. As much as, you know, it makes it hard or complicated or weird or, you know, even misconceptions or misunderstandings. It broke the barrier, though, for A, how honest we were with each other and B, getting to what's real, right? Not taking things as friends who are physically and emotionally, you know, okay with each other, but explaining 
the deeper meaning to it. And that broke the barrier to our relationship because while we were friends who were physically and emotionally okay with each other, not even that we did a lot of physical things in right, the beginning. Yeah. You really did court, actually. You didn't hurry into all that. Right. right. You didn't go, oh, I'm sure we have chemistry and we should just have awesome, you know, quick sex. You didn't. You Yeah, and it was actually good. She will tell you the first time was actually good, which is, you know, crazy, That's you know, cool. compared like to all the that. stories right. you hear, you know? Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. But, you know, so we took that and we have always, in a sense, acknowledged that and we've honored that. You know, we've always been able to figure out the misunderstandings, you know, express why we're upset, what we're upset about, and really get to what the heart means. And that happened at this first conversation happened at 16 years old. Right. Just to put it in context. And you're 18 now. Right. Natalie is how old? Uh, she is 19. She 19. is six months yeah, older. A little older. Yeah. A little older. <laughs> you're, you're taller. She's a little older. Yeah. yeah. You guys get to do your thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for our audience there, everybody, come on. I mean, like, we kind of talked about the gap. We talked about, you know, this, this whole range that's existing here and this conflict about, like, are the younger people doing what we think they should be doing? Do they care about things? Do they care about each other? Are they checking out? And what we just heard from my son in today's show, and I'm really so stuck to show this with us, is that, no, these were very deeply mindful conversations in the development of a new relationship in high school that didn't necessarily need to be. But they became that because that was your core, that was your ethic, that was your moral, and that's what you wanted, and you had destiny in mind and all the stuff. And she, you were able to be a relationship who started to go, hmm, well, I trust your honesty. I respect that, and let's make some agreements. I guess it kind of sucks if like we start to fall for each other and then your perfect guy comes along, your perfect girl, but we'd rather choose that than just play flakes and pretend like we like each other and just be casual, right? Right. Let's dive in and be the best for each other. Right. And see what yeah, that we comes. Were, we were always serious. Right? We were you know? serious, right? You were always serious, right? And so I think so much of what came out of this conversation is actually how evolved, you know, because these are the kind of conversations that many generations, including mine, probably didn't get to until they were like 27, 28. And so now it just seems to keep getting more evolved. We're like, you're having these conversations <laughs> at 16, and now you're having these conversations that, you know, and now you're living this life at 18 where you're in a really healthy and happy relationship and you know that there's the whole world out there and nothing's you know guaranteed, but you're in it. And, you know, it's real. It's committed. It's real and it's committed. Exactly. And I want to add as well, when, you know, we got to that breakthrough and the reason why I call it a breakthrough for anybody who has any chance of maybe implementing that in future scenarios is, you know, people say that negative things or bad things to happen are what gets you to really see a person, what gets you to really figure out how they act, figure out who they are. And that's not so much the situation when you think that an issue is not something bad. An issue is something to either figure out or to discuss, to figure, you know, to look at. And I just want to add that it was the breakthrough that made me fall in love with her, that made me committed because since then, that was when she really opened up to me and that was when I really opened up to her. And then through all the early on little arguments or and which weren't really ever arguments, they were just issues. Or they were arguments, but they weren't bad. That's just kind of what I'm trying to 
express is that you have to get deep. You know, it's not always sunshine and rainbows. It's not always perfect, but that's not a bad thing. And it's when you go through that, not necessarily when you have a hurricane together, you know, but when you go through that side that a lot of people avoid, that's when you meet each other. You know, through breakdown comes breakthrough. And I think that's true. So we are almost out of time here. It's been an amazing show. I think we we, we actually, we're going to reconvene on this, right? With you and Natalie. Absolutely. And, and we're going to do another one with Natalie. So we get to hear her side of the story, right? <laughs> and then of course you and I can have many more conversations. Would you mind just doing the last little summary and take us out of the show? Yeah, of course. So first I like to add that at the end of the day, a philosophy that I like to live by is that it's not what people say that you follow. It's the perspective that they give you that you make your own and execute in your own lives. So anything I say, anything I approach, obviously to my own positive way or my own negative way, it is my opinion. And, you know, hopefully it's a good opinion, but I just want to add that. I'd also like to say, going into the relationship part, one thing that I really kind of learned is, so my father has talked a lot, you know, in his own way about it's complicated. And that's mostly part of the gap a little bit. It's not as big as with the boomers, but it's still a little bit of a gap in the sense that Gen X has dealt with a lot of complicated things. They've dealt with their own sense of society not being as accepting through their lifetime. And what I mean to add is that, so they see it as complicated and that's okay. But for us, when we're earlier on, sometimes we kind of take a more simple approach. Yeah, it's not complicated. It's not complicated. It's simple. You know, we're living, we're trying to be the best that we can. We're trying to do the best that we can. And in any relationship, in any life, everybody always talks about a balance. That's part of it too. You know, there's the parts where you get complicated and you get deep and you talk about your issues and you learn who they are. And then you take that and together you'll learn where you can kind of feel okay with now it's simple. We did that. That's that. It doesn't always have to be a constant self-examination. That's one thing you know I want to add. And the other thing is that boomer is never an insult. The whole okay boomer has never been an insult. It's rather a way of, so let's say you're dealing with this generation, you know, mad all the time in retail, mad all the time, you know, towards you. To me, this was the first way that we could truly respond because it was always, I'm sorry, you know, I'll go get my manager, whatever, because you figure you're young, you're sensitive, you know, they're using all these mind ways to make you feel like a terrible person sometimes, you know, and it hurts your feelings. So you're natural response is, I'm sorry, but okay, Boomer was the first time of not having to say, I listen to you. It's almost like an anti-bullying campaign. Kind of, you know, and it's not so much trying to point out that, you know, I listen to you or I took what you said, but it's a response of, okay, Boomer. I understand your approach. Well, right? yeah, it's like, like I'm okay, not going to take it boomer. personal anymore. You're a boomer, right? Like, of yeah. course you're going to be a dick right now. Well, this doesn't make me a bad person. I don't have to be, yeah. right? I, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I'm, I'm like hanging on a thread on this. Yeah, carry your thought. Sorry. I just mean it's a way of 
a defense mechanism. It's not so much about giving them leeway or understanding them, which is another part. Both sides need to understand. Typically, yeah, diffusing. diffusing it's like it's right? like okay, you said your piece, yeah. boomer. Got it. Right. That's what I mean. <laughs> wow. Like, okay. Boomer. Boomer. Okay. You know? I feel so like that's it. That guys. makes sense. That's right? the wrap, okay. right? Because we needed it. I was curious. Michelle was just telling me like, there's an okay boomer thing going on. And I was like, right. I didn't know it's that. Like, right? It's like we get so much shit from you. You right. know, no more shit. Okay, no boomer. More shit. Okay, Keep boomer. saying the same it's thing. All good. We okay, got you. boomer. We're right. Good. Okay. Yeah. You know, okay. yeah. Right. You said it. You see, you see what I mean, I right? I see it now. Clear as day. And I feel more present in the humanity of the world. Thank you, son, for joining me on the show tonight. Thank you for having me. And for any of the listeners, I hope that I explained the best and I hope that you take it in your own natural way and that if it helps your future at all, then, you know, good for you. It's a beautiful contribution. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right. Ciao. All. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Mixed messages. Mixed messages. 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 Well, Michael, I want to keep this conversation going. We're going to have to close this one out for this podcast because we're almost out of time, but we'll come right back to this in part two because... Nobody wants this podcast to end. How are you feeling about the podcast so far? Well, I definitely feel like we approached some great topics. I feel like I got a little bit more to say, and I'd be glad to come back and talk a little bit more about everything. I love that. Okay, we're going to come right back, guys. You know, Tune right back in in part two. And by the way, Natalie is here with us in the house. It's awesome. So we just want you to hear her voice. Natalie, come in. Say something. Hey, everyone. Can't wait to see you in part two. Will you get to hear a little bit from me too? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. So we're going to bring Natalie back. Actually, part two, we're going to just do the same podcast, but we went long. But then we're going to bring part three, I think, with you, right? Yeah. And then we're going to do one just with you. Ooh, that's exciting, isn't, isn't it? Isn't it? I think so. And we all got to experience the first kiss. Do you want to say anything about the first kiss and the second kiss? <laughs> you want to say that for the podcast? We'll, we'll save that for um, part three, won't we? That fantastic. <laughs> all right. So now you hear all of us here together. Happy holidays, everybody. This is a beautiful celebration of our whole New Year's, and we're happy to share this with you. All right. Cool. We'll be back. Mixed messages. Mixed messages. Mixed messages. Mixed messages. Mixed messages, 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 messages.